The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. There's a story about Suzuki Roshi, who was uh, the Zen, Japanese Zen teacher and founder of the San Francisco Zen Center, that um, early in his, in his teaching, when he came to, uh, sort of early when he first came to San Francisco, and um, an eager, interested person uh, came to him and wanted to know about the the essence of Buddhism, you know, like you know, please teach me what you know. What is this? What is? What do you do? What is this about? And he said, and Suzuki Roshi said, "Oh, okay. Um, I sit every morning at five thirty. You know, please join me." And okay, and so he he this this young person started coming to. Um, Sokoji, which is the uh, Buddhist temple in San Francisco before they had Zen Center. And he started sitting every morning at 5.30 with, um, you know, this Japanese priest and a few other people joined them. But about six months passed and the the young man was getting a little bit um, antsy. And he went to Suzuki Roshi and he said, you know, I've been coming here, I've been sitting with you every morning for six months, but you still haven't explained to me the secrets of, uh, of Zen, the secrets of practice. And Suzuki Roshi said, oh, okay. Um, I also sit at 5.30 in the evening. <laughs> Please join me. <laughs> no. I don't know why I was thinking about that, but something about this, this invitation to sit together is really at the heart of what we're doing and what this practice is. And um, I think about it as an invitation to experience our life in maybe a slightly different way, maybe a, a more direct way, a more... Um, way that's more fresh, that's, that's a little bit free of the filters of thinking, of preferences that we usually walk around in, almost like in a haze of, you know, you know uh, what I want, what I don't want, um, all my thinking and ideas. And then to sit is to like return to zero, you know. Um, an opportunity to maybe in a deeper sense recognize um, Buddha in, invite Buddha invite um, something that's awake um, usually we're so focused on the the things the what the, the content of our experience we we don't notice the silence that's behind Everything we don't notice the the ground. We don't notice the space. You know, so to sit and be still is this special invitation, this opportunity. Um, so I just appreci- appreciate 
that and that here at IMC and you know, other places we have a chance to, to recognize this or invite this. Um, Zen is a little bit on my mind because we, in our community here, we just uh, had a meditation retreat last weekend and it was held at Jikoji, which is, some of you might know Jikoji, which is uh, this wonderful rustic Zen center uh, that's in the Santa Cruz Mountains. It's about probably 45 minutes from here. And, and it was great. It was so uh, sweet to be uh, doing our practice, this mindfulness practice, insight practice, being aware, being present. But in this, um, this sort of field that, had su- that has such a rich history and... Um, uh, I've I spent some years practicing in the Zen tradition. Um, Gil, the you know the founder of our uh, center, uh, is also a Zen teacher, and um, I don't know. I felt that there was this wonderful commingling or um, interconnection or, uh, of these of this vipassana practice and Zen practice. Um, and in, in Vipassana practice, in mindfulness practice, we often emphasize um, knowing, you know, the knowing quality of the mind. If you think about what is, what is mindfulness, what is awareness, it's, it's the mind that knows, that can know experience as it is. And in, in some traditions they talk about the one who knows, you know, to be the one who knows. And it's beautiful. And it's this, it's this idea of rather than being, I think usually we have some ideas or we have some, uh, something's happening in our experience and we just flow into it and we become it and it's so real. And, you know, even if we're sitting and we're thinking about a conversation we had, you know, I've started laughing, you know, or crying, you know, on the cushion because of what I'm thinking about and how real it feels and being so, we just, we just become that. And then so to become the one who knows is to have some independence from the content of experience. It's like, it's not filtering our experience. It's not, um, uh, improving it, it's not fixing it, but it's like just to know, oh wow, there's sadness here, or there's impatience here, or there's, this is, there's joy here, or, you know, just to know that gives us this uh, measure of freedom from it. Um, and then it gives us some kind of choice if I'm, if I'm totally merged with what I'm experiencing, it's like um, we're mesmerized or hypnotized by something. And, and then it just has to play out for as long as it plays out. But if there's knowing, if there's awareness, then we have choice. We can say, um, maybe, 
maybe I'm going to put this down for now. Or maybe, you know, my intention was to be here and to sit with the body and the breath and open to experience in a very present way. And if I start thinking about this, I'm going to get very uh, caught up in it, seduced by it. So I'm going to put this down. You know, so, so with, with knowing, it gives us some choice. And so, so this knowing quality of the mind. And then, um, so in, in the insight tradition, Vipassana, we talk a lot about knowing. And one of the things I appreciate about Zen is there is a big emphasis on something called not knowing, <laughs> which, which is not the opposite of knowing, actually. But it's almost like the way I think about it is that it's the prerequisite for knowing. Before we can know something, before we can open ourselves up to receive experience and, and um, be with experience in uh, an uncompli- uncomplicated, welcoming way, um, there's a sort of emptying out that has to happen, you know. Um, if I'm so full of opinions and ideas, and well, I know what's, what's going to happen, you know. Why even meditate, right? If you, I know what's going to happen. I'm just going to sit there, breathe in and out, and, <laughs> and then ring the bell, right? You know. Um, So this quali- so so in Zen practice, it is um, it's just like this l- slightly different angle. And I mean, I, I think this is implicit in mindfulness, but it's this slightly different angle of um, cultivating an attitude of not knowing of. Um, Sometimes this is this. I think this is very close to something that was called beginner's mind, you know, and this idea that um, it's a kind of openness, a kind of readiness um, that can take in experience in a very fresh way. Um, it's a kind of innocent, innocent way, and I think about this quality of not knowing as having um, curiosity as part of it, like to be curious. It's like, you know, rather than to think, I know what this is. I know what this, you know, difficult emotion is. I know what this um, uncomfortable physical sensation is. It's like there's there's this quality of curiosity which brings us, draws us closer to experience. When we're curious about something, and we want to sort of understand it more and learn more about it, we get closer. We, we look closer, look, look more carefully. And then the more, the, the closer we are, the more we see. The more we can see, the more we can understand. So what I was calling knee pain, if I really look closely and I really get close to it and breathe with it and be with it and relax around it and... Um, 
I start to notice that even something called a knee is a little bit of a filter. You know, it's a concept. And if I can let go of that concept and just be with the sensations and and notice that they change and notice that they move. Um, So this curiosity uh, draws us closer to our, the, the experience of our life. Um, maybe this is close to what we call in our tradition the quality of investigation. Uh, Dhamma vichaya is investigating dhammas. It's like, what is this? You know? So I, th- I think about this quality of not knowing, beginner's mind, and um, children... I think children, young children, naturally have this. Um, that there, there is a, a sort of fascination with everything, right? But the the little things, the 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 things that we take for granted, they want to know. It's new. It's like, well, why? You know, what is that? And why? You know, why are you doing it that way? And um, just today, we had a in my house. We had a clogged toilet, and the plunger, the plunger didn't, you know, it wasn't going to cut it. And um, so I went to the hardware store and I got one of those snakes, you know, the you put it in and crank it, and and my kids loved it. I mean, they were so. <laughs> um, and they almost admitted what it was that they put in the... T- <laughs> I couldn't quite get them to say what it was. But um, I think that, um, first of all, children aren't... Their minds aren't already filled with a lot of stuff. A lot of information, a lot of ideas, a lot of opinions. They just don't have so much life experience to sort of clog up their... <laughs> toilet. <laughs> um, and the second thing is that they are so attentive. You know, they really pay attention. They really notice. Like, I'll read a, a story to my girls of six and four, and they'll know if I've changed a word. You know, sometimes I'll change a word, or I'll change a gender, or I'll do something. And they're like, and say, come on, just say it the right way. <laughs> and they know, and they, their memory is so good, I think, because they're paying such close attention. And so they immediately know something's different. A word is different. So um, this, this quality of not knowing, of beginner's mind, is sometimes... Um, so... Th- in, in, the, in the Zen tradition, there's a story where the student is going on um, pilgrimage and has his monks, his monk, and has his kind of traveling uh, robes. And the teacher asks, um, where are you going? And the student says, I'm, I'm going on pilgrimage. And uh, the teacher says, um, what's the purpose of pilgrimage? 
What's the purpose of traveling around and uh, practicing? And the student says, I don't know. And then the teacher says, not knowing is most intimate. Not knowing is most intimate. And in that, you know, as the story goes, the student, the student was awakened. Um, so I think about this intimacy and this um, getting closer to our experience. And when we, sometimes when we think we know something, it creates separation. It creates distance. It's like, um, especially the people who are close to us and in our life, if we, um, I think usually we see them through a filter of their role, our relationship, our past experiences together. And it's almost impossible to get away from that. But if we have in our mind this idea, this value of cultivating a mind that is open, that's fresh, that's innocent, that doesn't have preconceived ideas, that's, 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 um, that doesn't know, then we give, you know, we, you know, it, maybe it's possible to see the people who are close to us in a more fresh way. And it gives them a possibility to change. And to, you know, we're all, we're always changing. But um, sometimes it's hard to acknowledge that, to acknowledge our own change or to acknowledge someone else's change. And, but if we have this, this, this idea of, of this, that this is a value to be, to see something freshly, to see someone with fresh eyes, um, it creates a little more, um, it creates room, you know, uh, room for that person to uh, express their their themselves and, and and who they are in this moment, not who they were yesterday or last year. Or something. Um, so. Um, I think one of the one of the aspects of this quality of not knowing is that it it, it acknowledges the, um, the 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 way things maybe it's a little more accurate into the the way things actually are. I think um, you know it's one of the it's one of the foundational dharma teachings that. Um, of impermanence, right? So things change. This uncertainty that um, is just sort of built in to life and built into this realm of existence. We think we know what's going to happen. We think we know when we leave here and you know, I'll go out and I'll go to my car. Or my car will be there, <laughs> um, and um, probably it will, but. Um, if we really open to uncertainty and the truth of change, the truth of impermanence, um, you know, this is one of the biggest challenges, I think. And this is, I think, 
um, I know for myself, um, when, when there is uncertainty and when there is um, a not knowing, sometimes that can bring up anxiety. Sometimes that can bring up, you know, I kind of want to fill that. There's a, there's a fear. And then you kind of want to fill that with something. So maybe it's planning. Or, you know, this is one of the most, you know, I know in my mind, it's like, um, there's something so delicious about planning. It's like, <laughs> you know, there's, there's definitely a payoff. And even though, you know, we kind of know that, I mean, if we really are pressed, we say, well, it's probably not going to, go that way or probably, you know, um, there's a, it, the planning mind sort of fills up this um, uncertainty. And so um, it turns out that it is, um, it, in order to be able to open to change to impermanence to this truth and to meet it in a in a in a full way it helps to have a kind of stability you know so this is why in meditation we have this you know stable posture whether we're in a chair or whether we're in the cu- the floor on the cushion it's like to to have some stability that gives us the safety and the trust and the confidence to little by little begin to open up to the mystery, to begin to open up to this vast realm of not knowing, of, of you know, we have ideas, we have hopes, we have expectations, but who knows, who knows? And so, but if we can develop some sense of stability, some sense of safety, I mean, I also think about children in this and how children crave um, stability and predictability. You know, children want to know, um, you know, routine is so important for children and to, and to know, you know, there's this wonderful Mr. Rogers song called, I Like to Be Told. You know, so, you know, I like to be told when we're going, where, where you're going, when you're going to come back, what we're going to do. You know, children want to know. And when, when there's that safety and that predictability, um, that's a, a foundation for the child to then go out and be adventurous and take risks because they know, okay, I've... I know what the ground is. And, and then so and if we don't have that, or if we didn't have that, then, um, then maybe it's much harder to tolerate uh, uncertainty, you know, because there isn't that base of, of, of safety. And st- so sometimes in practice, there's this, there can be this wonderful, um, almost like a reparenting, where we're, repa- we're giving ourselves the qualities and this, this sense of safety and sense of stability that um, maybe for some of us what was, was missing in some way. And it can be a very healing process. So, um, 
So it can take a lot of trust and a lot of um, confidence to be able to open up to the fullness of, of not knowing. Um, I, um, I wanted to share a poem, a very short poem. And this is by the, um, the Zen uh, teacher and philosopher Dogen, who is um, considered, you know, in some ways, the, the greatest thinker of, uh, from Japan. And without thinking that he protects the rice, the scarecrow in the small rice paddy in the mountain is not in vain. Without thinking that he protects the rice, the scarecrow in the small rice paddy in the mountain is not in vain. Um, The title of this poem is Poem on Sitting standing, walking, and lying down. So this is like a, you know, that basically means meditation. And, you know, so the Buddha talked about these four um, postures from it, which pretty much covers everything, right? (laughs) Not flying or something, but (laughs) sitting, standing, walking, and lying down. And so does that change anything? So this 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 is, you know, explaining meditation or expressing what meditation is. Without thinking that he protects the rice, the scarecrow in the small rice paddy in the mountain is not in vain. And what I love about this is um, pointing to um, something about we may not know we may not fully grasp the meaning of what we're doing or the impact of what we're doing, but it doesn't mean it's meaningless. Actually, the scarecrow is um, just standing there, but is performing a very important, is protecting the food for the village and is doing something very important. Maybe he doesn't know what he's doing. Maybe he doesn't fully realize um, um, and so maybe when we sit, when we practice, something is happening that's much bigger than um, my own, not only my own hopes for what's going to happen or what's, what, you know, what I'll get out of meditation, but it's, it's, it's beyond even maybe what, what the conscious mind can know. You know, and it's there's something else is happening. Something big is happening, and um, so I, I like that. I, f- I find that a very beautiful image. And this is so. This is a translation by Shohaku Okamura, who's a contemporary Zen scholar and teacher. And he, in his commentary on this, he said that in Japan, um, it was common at that time for scarecrows to be dressed up as monks. 
So they'd be wearing a robe and a hat, you know, one of those hats in the field. And, you know, um, and when we were on retreat last week, I offered this poem because I think that there's something about um, retreat practice and when you're meditating all day for a number of days that it begins to wear out the the sort of um, usual, ordinary um, reasons why we meditate. You know, and if you say, well, why do you meditate? Well, it's, you know, I... Um, to get calm, to relax, to, you know, so my life will go better and work better. And um, that might work, you know, for like 30 minutes or (laughs) 45 minutes, but like all day, you know, just just see how the mind is and how, how crazy it is (laughs) and how we don't own experience and we can't control our thoughts and we have a little bit of control but at a certain point we let go and we give up and we just sit you know and it's like this just sitting (sighs) and that is is a great moment in practice and that's like okay the retreat can begin you know and we're giving up letting go of the um the, the reasonable reasons why we sit, but they're limited. And we're able to open up into something that is much faster, much, much wider than, you know, some particular, getting some particular thing out of it. So, so this idea in meditation practice that um, It's something, it's an activity that is done for its own sake. You know, that, that, that's like the, some way considered the most pure form of practice. Purity in practice doesn't mean that the mind has no, no thoughts. And it doesn't mean that, well, and if there are thoughts, they're, they're really beautiful, you know, loving thoughts or something. That's not what purity means. Purity, from my understanding, means that we're sitting like the scarecrow, where we're just, um, we're just um, manifesting our life, our being, moment after moment, and doing this practice for its own sake. You know, to be aware, to be awake. Um, we don't need another reason to be awake. It's not... It's not in the service of something else. It, it in itself is, is um, the expression of something, you know. So it's like some kind of activity that we do for its own sake. And it's, so it's not about figuring it out. Um, this same, this same uh, teacher, Dogen, he, he has a teaching and he says something like, when Buddhas are actually Buddhas, they may not perceive that they're Buddhas. Um, so when Buddhas are actually Buddhas, they may not perceive that they're Buddhas. Um, what this points to for me is the beauty and the purity of unselfconscious, 
unself-centered activity. You know, when we do something just because that's the natural, you know, it's like um, no one's watching us, no one's, no one's, um, I mean, although these days everyone has the camera on the <laughs> you know, just to pick up that piece of uh, garbage on the floor, hold the door for someone, or, you know, the classic example is the way we, we, if you wake up in the middle of the night and, you know, as parents, you kind of have this sixth sense of when the child has kicked the blanket off and then you realize it's really cold and you just put the blanket back on. But it's not, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no thinking really. It's just, you know, it's just this natural activity, natural functioning. Um, so, you know, so when Buddhas are actually Buddhas, they may not perceive that they're Buddhas. Um, and so I know for myself, when I, when I think, wow, that's, you know, I really got it now. <laughs> that's a good, you know, that's a good sign that I'm missing something. You know, maybe, I don't know. Um, so... Um, So even if we don't know what we're doing, um, our practice is not in vain. And th- this also points to me the, the hazards of evaluating our own practice. It's very hard from the inside to, um, to say, I mean, even to say that was a good sit or that was a bad sit. Well, you know, um, who knows? And who's to say? And um, maybe just to stay on the cushion and just to stay in the room and just to be able to sit with a storm of emotions and the storm of um, difficult thoughts and unpleasantness um, is really good practice and is really powerful practice and versus the person who is just with every breath and is very kind of um, complacent and content. But, um, you know, who's learning more? Who's growing more? Who's, who's growing that capacity to be with um, life in all its different manifestations? So... Um, And then so, so, so this quality of not knowing, of beginner's mind, of openness, um, one of the ways to um, approach this or invite this is to simply notice the ways that fixed view arises. Um, fixed uh, opinions and judgments and just to start becoming a little sensitive to that um, preconceptions you know when I meet a person for the first time 
what does the mind do? Where does the mind go? I mean, there's so much in the, in the news about this, this 